This week on Thinking Biblically, we meet an indigenous woman whose heart is to help Christians understand Israel in the plan of God. Welcome back to Thinking Biblically. My name is Alan Gilman. Thinking Biblically is a podcast dedicated to exploring how all scripture speaks to all of life. Before we introduce this week's guest, I'd like to remind everybody to please remember to subscribe if you haven't done so already. Also click that notification bell on YouTube because that is how you'll be notified whenever a new video is posted. Uh, As well, please Put your comments in the comments below, or you can email me at comments at thinkingbiblically.org. Feel free, please, to also share this, because uh, that really helps get this out to more people. Well, it's my pleasure to introduce to you Melody Gray Eyes. Melody has been the National Director of CMJ Canada since January 2021. She graduated from the University of Saskatchewan Commerce Program in 1993 with a major in finance and has worked in both the private and public sectors. Besides her involvement with CMJ Canada, she is currently the business manager and bookkeeper for Horizon Arborist, a company owned by her husband, Gavin. Melody is a member of the Muskeg Lake Cree Nation. She and Gavin live in Alberta and have four children. Well, Melody, I'm looking forward to hearing a little bit of your personal story, but since we've already mentioned CMJ Canada, and we did have some months ago uh, Aaron Imee with us from Israel, CMJ Israel, so how about if we start by you sharing a little bit about what CMJ Canada is? Right, so CMJ Canada, like Aaron said, is the church's ministry among Jewish people. So we were invited into the worldwide CMJ family in 2010, So our main goal here in Canada is to uh, study and educate um, the church in Canada about the Hebraic roots of our faith. And also, we uh, are here to support uh, the Jewish people uh, to combat anti-Semitism and also, of course, to share the good news to both Jew and Gentile. So this Hebraic roots thing, I know there's a lot of people that uh, are familiar with that term, and um, and there might even be some differences of opinion exactly what that is, but what does that mean to you and to CMJ? Well, I came to faith actually later on in my life, and so I didn't really have a full understanding about where our faith actually began. And that would have been very helpful at the time because this gives us the big picture of God's redemption of the whole world when we understand the Hebraic roots of our faith. And so this gives vision actually to the church in Canada as to what God's big plan is and how we actually fit into it. I think it's very instrumental because one of the scriptures that the Lord says is without vision, the people perish. And so it, it's, it's, it, it's imperative, and I think every believer needs to understand, understand the Hebraic roots of our faith. And of course, understanding the Hebraic roots give us a deeper understanding of the scriptures in many areas. Well, you're singing my song mm-hmm. because I, I say the same thing, mm-hmm. that, it, that the big picture is so important for people to understand uh, mm-hmm. the details of God's plan. Um, and so maybe we'll get into into that more, like you already referred to, um, it would have made a difference in your own faith journey. So why don't we go there and 
share how did you and you said that um you came to faith later in life well what before we get to later in life what was earlier in life like can you give some some give us give us the big picture of of melody gray eyes because i think that might help us in understanding the details sure sure so um i will start actually a generation before me so my my parents my mother and my father were both um residential school survivors they went for my mother 12 years my father 10 years and so they were taught in the residential schools that when you have children, uh, you should raise them in the church because that's what they were taught in residential school. So I actually was um, raised up to a certain age in the Catholic church. However, not understanding any of it because it was a religious duty pretty much. So I was very confused, but you know, that's what you do as many people do. <laughs> and, uh, but that didn't last too long. Um, I think we stopped going about when I was about grade six, I did actually go through confirmation and first communion and all these things, but really didn't have any understanding about it. However, I would say though, God uses all things, you know, and again, this is the big picture, right? Seeds are still planted when you're young. So just just to, so your parents were both residential school survivors. How did they meet? Well, they actually met in residential school. Okay. <laughs> At, uh, yeah, so in Labret. They both went to Labret Residential School in Saskatchewan. My dad is from the Muskeg Lake Cree Nation, which is closer to Saskatoon area. And my mother is from uh, Little Black Bears Band, which is closer to Labret down there in Fort Capel area. So, so yeah, they met there. Um, not to pry too much, but being from two different uh, different groups, was that an issue at all? Uh, for them as a couple? Mm -hmm. Oh no, no. You know what? They were both uh, status. My mom's area is uh, Treaty Four area. My dad is Treaty Six area. And uh, no, no. At the time, basically, when you got married, you. Uh, became a part of your uh, husband's uh, nation. So that was a cultural, th that was a cultural thing already understood. Yeah, yeah, I, I think since my mom may have actually gone back to her nation now, <laughs> people <Okay>. change. <laughs> right, but all in the same, all in uh, Saskatchewan? Yes, all in Saskatchewan. Mm -hmm. And so okay, how old were and they when they met, if they met in the school, do you know? Uh, well, I believe my mom was in grade eight, my dad was in grade 10, but they didn't, you know, they didn't have a lot of opportunity to talk to each other because uh, the boys and the girls were always separated. But there were the, a few occasions where they somehow were able to meet. And my dad was friends with one of my mother's brothers. And so that was also a connection there. So my dad was actually taken in by um, my mom's family very readily because he was friends to her brothers and then obviously to her. <laughs> okay, so eventually, okay, so they graduate from the school? No, actually, unfortunately. Um, my mother did, but uh, my dad ended up running away. <laughs> he wasn't okay. treated well there. And so he left, um, I think it was grade 11, and then he never came back. And so he entered the military. And, um, and then eventually my parents got married and I was born and that's what brought us all over the place was my dad being in the military. 
Now, I know a little bit about your story because we had the privilege of having you, your husband, and your mom come and visit us uh, back last November uh, here in Ottawa, and uh, we had a we had a lovely we had a lovely visit together. At least we thought we did. Um, <laughs> we did too. <laughs> and um, and uh, Gavin filled me in with a little bit of uh, of your your parents' history, your dad's history in, in particular. Um, sadly, he had passed away some months before. Um, but some of the things about your dad that he was sharing, and I don't want to know too far down, you're going to see where I'm going to go with this in a second. Um, I thought it was unusually him. But before the podcast, I looked up, I, I went online and I looked up the uh, Muskeg Lake Cree Nation and saw that connection to things military was part of the culture of that particular, that, I want to say group. What, what should I say? That particular First Nation. First Nation, and so that that was that was quite interesting. So going back to the First World War, even, um, can you elaborate a little bit? Well, just uh, I know our nation is ranked very high among uh, First Nations that have a lot of military. Uh, influence we've we've had people in in all the wars so even for example um our our first reserve actually must lake Cree nation was one of the first nations in canada and i believe we were the first nation in canada to have a reserve in a city where uh, land was bought from tle treaty land entitlement and they bought city in, or sorry, they bought land in the city of Saskatoon, and then they actually converted that to reserve status. And so that reserve status, um, sorry, that reserve is it's called, I think it's called, oh, I, I, Veterans Plaza, something in Cree, you know, to give honor to all the veterans from our nation. And so even um, at most of the powwows that we have, uh, we have usually an annual powwow. And it's always preceded by the veterans that come in for the grand entry. So they're very honored on our reserve. You know, as many nations in Canada, we are warriors as well. And so, and so we honor them. And, and they fought for uh, Canada. It's unfortunate, though, in the past uh, that they weren't treated uh, the same as other veterans when they came home. You know, when most people came home, they, they received land for their service. But the veterans of Muskeg Lake and of many nations did not because they were indigenous. I was muted. I would love to have a time of exploring all of all of that, uh, which we're not going to do today. Mm -hmm. uh, but obviously, between the residential schools, the way um, the, the, the indigenous veterans were treated, there's all these injustices and yet i'm fascinated um, by the fact that there's still this pride in their service instead of 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 renouncing it or or, or some other thing uh, can you speak into that like and i and i think it's it's important because of where i think we're going in this conversation because we're going to be talking about peoples that are not normally known of uh, to be connecting and, and, and on one hand, we live in a world where they talk so much about uh, humanity and, and tolerance and everybody together, and yet we live in such a polarized, divided world today. 
Um, but I'm, I'm seeing something here. I'm seeing something here about your life and what you've committed yourself to and your understanding of the Lord's calling on your life. And the little bit that I know of you, I think there's something in in your heritage um, that that has has led you this way. Maybe I don't know if that's what you meant. It would have been helpful if you would have known a little more. But you know, let's can we go like so? Why why didn't the Muskeg Lake Cree Nation reject their their veteran heritage based on how Canada has treated them? Mm-hmm. You know, as you're speaking, I was just thinking that because we were the first peoples to this land, we do have the responsibility to steward the land. And I think that is well known, you know, by Indigenous peoples in Canada. But so, so to steward the land and to be a part of the wars is, is a way of stewarding the land. And then also taking it a little further into the spirit realm, because we were the first peoples to the land, we're also what we call the gatekeepers to the land. And so there is this uh, responsibility that we have. And so I believe the, the people, they understood this and, and they went to fight for this land because we are to be good stewards of it. So you're saying that um, injustice doesn't give us the right necessarily to give up our responsibility? That's a good point. Yes. <laughs> yeah. There's a, I and, think that's a take home. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, um, even I know, I believe it was 1960 uh, where indigenous people didn't have the right to vote until then. Yet they were allowed to enter into the armed forces and to fight for Canada. That says something too, but they still did. Yeah, it's it's so, that, so it's that they did, and they, and they did it with honor. Yes, and they and still seeing it as an honorable thing that they did, and and uh, they rightly should be thanked for their service. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and it does happen, right? Uh, there was a special honor for your dad on Remembrance Day. Mm-hmm. Um, right, which is why we came to Ottawa mm-hmm. because he was a part of the PPCLI. So they had that for all PPCLI. What is that for people who don't know? Uh, PPCLI is the Princess Patricia's Canadian Light Infantry. So that's one of the battalions in Canadian uh, the army. Well, very good. Okay, so um, you r- were raised in the Catholic Church till however how long it, it it you're just going through the motions like a lot of people do with with many religions what changed in terms of like when did believing in yeshua jesus become something meaningful to you right so so i, I guess i became an age uh, where i started to say okay well why are we even doing this and so i said well i don't I don't really want to go to church anymore. And so mom and dad said, sounds good. We won't go either. <laughs> so I think they were just doing what they thought was the right thing. You know, not that they necessarily, they didn't necessarily understand or believe at that time either, but they were doing what they were told was right. And so I went on uh, my journey and, um, but you know what the thing was, I always knew there was a God though. 
That was never a question. And I think you could say that about most Indigenous peoples, that there is this understanding that there is a God. Um, so it wasn't until actually I was in my early 30s, I had gotten, uh, I finished my degree, I had uh, gotten married, we had our first house, I even then had my first child. And then realizing, okay, all of these wonderful things has not filled this void in my heart. And I, I knew it was the Lord. Now, keeping in mind um, throughout my early 20s, you know, university years, I did go seeking for the Lord, for God, not the Lord, but for God, whoever he was. And uh, so I, I, I sought to find him in our cultural ways. It, thought to find him through other religions, through yoga, through this, through that, and never found him. So I thank God for that, you know, for protecting me from going down a road any further. And so actually one day, the Lord, his story is amazing because I was traveling with some believers to and from work and they were always talking about Jesus. And I was like, oh no, don't talk about him anymore. I, I don't want to talk about him because, you know, from growing up, once I became of that age, I thought, well, God is not in the church. How can God be in the church with all what had happened to our people? There's no way that Jesus is the way. So I really had this offense in my heart against him. And so, um, and you know, and my parents didn't even speak badly, you know, they, they didn't incite this into me. Like I said, they brought me to church, you know, and uh, I just, it was just the history, you know, me finally realizing and understanding the history. I made this decision on my own. And I, this was an offense of my personal offense for what my parents had to go through. And so anyways, like I said, after I had my first child, I was looking. And so the ladies that I was going to and fro with, um, she was very excited. She had found her church and that she was very excited about. And I said, so I actually said in my heart to God, I said, well, God, if you're in the church, I'll give you one chance to let me know that you're in the church, but that's it. You know, I'm not going to belabor this. And so she actually said, I said, well, where is this church? I'll check it out. And so sure enough, she said, well, that very night, she said they were having an alpha welcome dinner to the alpha course, which is a course uh, of people who are inquiring about Jesus. And so I'm like, okay, well, you got food. So I went home, got my husband. We went there for the first uh, welcome night. And, um, and then we ended up, I was, the Holy Spirit just kept drawing me back. And so that was the beginning, but that it took three years before I actually said yes to Jesus. I was very, very skeptical. <laughs> so that was a very, uh, like, it, it took you a few years to kind of fully get it. But with the offense that you were carrying, I know it was the Holy Spirit, but was there anything in particular that, that, that allowed you to, to continue to consider this? So you go in. And like, like many people, um, you know, my own people too, like most of us wouldn't even go to a church because of the bad history between Christians and Jewish people. Uh, and you go, and so what was it that allowed you to be open, do you know? Well, you know, so in Alpha, they just have a video, they share a few things, and then you go into a group. And so thankfully, the Lord uh, put us in a group with the pastor, and he would 
I would fire questions at him, very skeptical questions. And he would just receive them all with grace. He would not come back at me and, uh, uh, you know, judge me with, even with the scriptures, even with the word, because for me, I was like, well, I don't even believe that the Bible is real. Don't quote scripture back to me because that really, you know, anyways, I didn't know it was scripture. If he was telling me anything, (laughs) you know, that was scripture at the time, but I obviously heard some truth, you know, but so much grace, so much love, so much acceptance, uh, you know, always ready to just answer any questions I had and not to be uh, really judgmental toward me. And then actually, after we'd been going a number of weeks, uh, one day we said, well, maybe we'll go to a Sunday service then. So we went to the Sunday service. And what was amazing there was that we, the people in the church were very real. Their faith was real. And the reason why I say that is because um, that day, the pastor had uh, confessed. He actually started his sermon and then he stopped in the midst and he confessed. He said, I have to confess. I have an offense in my heart against uh, the other lead pastor. And so I need to I need to ask for his forgiveness right now before I can't carry on and talk because you're before the Lord's people, you're before the Lord, how can you do this? And so that was just like, whoa, they're actually talking about offense and forgiveness. And he came up and the people came around and they were like weeping over them. And just this reconciliation was happening before my very eyes. And so I went away from that thinking, wow, this is real. You know, there is um, this is not just religion. And, and, but even still, it took many years after that. And then I would ask people every Sunday, I'd go back and I'd ask people, what is your experience? How do you know that Jesus is real? You know, and I would ask for their testimony. So that, that took a long time, but that's how skeptical I was. <laughs> I don't know if I should ask um, what what took you so long or why did you keep going back? <laughs> well, you know, okay. For me, um, if I'm going to say yes to anything, I have to know for sure, because once I say yes, I will be committed wholeheartedly. So it was not a light decision to say yes. So I guess that's why I am where I am today <laughs> because I just, I want it all. When, when I say yes to something, then I want to go full in, you know, and be that full hearted warrior, you know, for whatever, you know, I'm called to in this life. Okay, so it's, it's all or nothing, and you don't take mm-hmm. that lightly. Yeah. So, okay, mm-hmm. okay. Um, when you decided to take that step, were there still issues in your heart concerning your understanding of the church and your people? Yes, I did not understand how this all worked, you know, and for example, you know, just like the Jewish people, we were told we had to forsake our heritage, you know, in order to be a Christian, to be a believer. And so that was always a real conflict inside of me, because first of all, coming from the next generation of residential school survivors, 
I didn't know my language. I didn't know my culture. I didn't live on reserve, you know, so I had this identity issue. I, 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 I was proud to be an Indigenous uh, person, but I really didn't have the foundation that I desperately wanted. And then, um, and, and so there was that too. And so I was, I thought, well, if I, if I say I'm a Christian, then I've forsaken all of that. Then, then now I'm no longer Indigenous, you know, it's just a very confusing time. And, um, but now, now I understand that that's not the case at all. Well, how did that process, how did that process happen? What, what well, was that before you came to faith through the process after it's still going on? Yeah, it's, it's through the process, you know, um, I would say what I really needed to understand first and foremost, that my identity is I am a child of God. I am his before I am anybody else's, you know, because I, I had that identity crisis my whole life. And so when I came to the Lord, I was like, ah, oh, I now I know who I am. The, the greatest thing, I'm a child of God most high, of Adonai. Well, I didn't know him as Adonai at the time, <laughs> but as the creator, of creator God. And so that was like, oh, now I know who I am. But then there, there was then there was the real working out about this. Um, how does how, how do I fit in being an Indigenous person? And then actually, depending on uh, especially we started going to a different church after um, uh, we were baptized. And then we went to YWAM uh, because we, we thought we were so far behind. We had to get some discipleship and quick. <laughs> My husband and I were actually baptized at the same time. So we went to YWAM and that's where I really experienced the love of God, just that overwhelming love and acceptance. And through that time, he did some deliverance for me just by being in his presence. It was amazing. And then yeah, and then since then, you know, uh, going to another church and you'd hear, okay, uh, the Indigenous people in Canada, it's time for you to rise up. And I'd say, what does that mean to rise up? <laughs> Who, like, what is our purpose? I don't understand. What do you want me to be? I don't even know my, my roots, you know. And it, because there, there's so much involved there. So, for example, I always wanted to uh, speak Cree. That's my parents' uh, birth language. Uh, but my dad never wanted to teach me. I would ask him again and again, but he was ashamed, you know, that he was taught what's the importance of it. You know, maybe you don't even know it well enough. He was fluent in Cree, but I never learned it, you know. And then my dad was in the military. So um, because he actually wanted to farm on reserve, there was no job. And so he had to leave in for a, a job, which he loved. He, he loved the military, but it meant that we didn't live near our home all the time. So we were in BC and then we were in Germany for seven years. And so I always knew I was Indigenous. I was always proud of it, but I still didn't have that. And I had a connection to my mother's family. Like we always went home for that, but I didn't feel like I was really entrenched there either. And then? <laughs> So it was, it's always been important to you. You weren't getting some of the connections that that you would have wanted, such as the language. Mm -hmm. You kept connection with your mom's family. Um, it's not clear what stage. Well, maybe it is clear. So after your, the YWAM experience, 
mm-hmm. you're hearing you're in a, a a church community that values something about the various peoples in the world because there are there are still today there, there's a lot of people think that we should kind of be all mushed together like homogenized into one kind mm. of christian right. thing right which you and i would agree that's not a biblical thing we see a diversity of nations within the the broader family of god through the messiah um not so but not every not every indigenous believer gets the opportunity to have that affirmed in 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 any way was that was all with that enthusiasm you need to rise up was was that all taken in your experience was that all positive you know the people in um, our church very supportive i just didn't understand what that meant you know so for example there is um you know billy graham the great evangelist he had that um word about the sleeping giant you know which are the indigenous peoples of north america that when the sleeping giant wakes up there's going to be revival things are going to be happening and so i think this is like the the underlying uh, thing that people are waiting for. When is the sleeping giant going to wake up? But then I think, but who am I? <laughs> what goodness, what, what could I ever do? You know, and, but so it was this whole process of, okay, now I, I, I have to grow into that identity of being a child of God and also being, like you said, still set apart in an ethnos uh, that we do have a different calling. And I believe uh, for Indigenous people, one of our callings is to bless the Jewish people, and and I I didn't even I didn't understand that at the time, <laughs> of course. But you know, so it's, it's been a journey in this. But you know, the Lord has planted seeds uh, for uh, well, not since the beginning, but uh, shortly thereafter, seeds were planted. I just didn't fully understand the big picture. Because frankly, um, the Jewish roots are not widely taught in the church. The significance of Israel is not widely taught in the church. Even though I went to YWAM, Israel was never discussed. The big picture was never brought about. And I think, what a wonderful place to, to bring the big picture, you know, because I'm a, I like to see the big picture. I like to understand where it started and where it ends. You know, when I came to faith in Yeshua, I thought one of the things that was confusing to me was that it sounded like this Jesus person just dropped out of thin air and just believe in him and you're going to be good and you're going to have eternal salvation. And I was like, okay, something's missing. I'm not getting, I'm not getting why. (laughs) And then now after like, you know, reading, of course, the Bible for myself, but even reading the Bible for myself, not having the simplicity of having heard God's big picture, you actually start to tend to read it almost with replacement theology, because it's like, nobody talks about Israel. Well, then am I Israel? Am I the new Israel? Like those thoughts just naturally start coming in. And so I'm thinking, I know I'm missing something here. I'm missing something big, but I don't know where to go. You know, who's going to teach this to me? (laughs) Yeah. So for anyone not familiar with the terminology, replacement theology is uh, the easier to learn term. The the technical term is super cessationism. 
and it has to do with um, the church replaces Israel in the plan of God. So the idea of Israel, the concept of Israel is a concept that shifts from the natural Israel, the natural descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the Old Testament, and with the coming of Jesus, now this belongs to all believers in him, Jew or Gentile, and they're this new Israel. Uh, both of us, each of us, uh, don't believe that's what the Bible teaches, um, but that there's an ongoing plan and purpose for the people of Israel, and Israel is a distinctive aspect of God's plan um, that leads to the uh, the establishment of a of a international gathering of nations in the Jewish Messiah we call that the the kahila the assembly or the church um, and uh, and Israel is a, a distinct and integrated part of that whole plan but before we get to how you made that connection because we've been anticipating it uh, up till now um, you connecting with that big picture like so like to hear um, how that happened and what that really means to you now and along with your work with CMJ Canada. But before that, there's something I want to go back to. And it has to do with, we, we're we talking about people groups. Use the word ethnos, which is where we get the word ethnic from. Ethnos is nation in the Greek. And it means, I don't say it means nation. Uh, and um, what I've been seeing is today, what's become really prevalent in the society is there's been this focus on group identity and people are being defined by their groups. And then there's this other side uh, where people are going, no, that that's no good. It's all part of this thing called critical race theory. I had uh, a scholar on uh, some months ago to talk about that. And really we're all individuals. We're just individuals. And it, sometimes you'll get the impression that these these ethnic groupings are just kind of a a, um, a humanly imposed um, temporary thing that really doesn't mean much. We should just treat everybody as individuals. Now, I, I do believe we should treat each person as an individual in their own right. But some of this emphasis on the individual seems to blur or even obliterate the fact that it looks like God in his providence has established the people groups, the nations of the world. And so that you as an indigenous person and me as a Jewish person, there's something in that in God's plan. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, it even speaks about that, right? In the last days, all the people's you know, every tribe, nation, and tongue, you know, and they will go up to Jerusalem and celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles. Yeah, and so that's why even today we have all different people groups coming to celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles. So right. there is something in individual groupings. Yeah. Um, now, a lot of people will take that and make it sound as if, well, they're from all these nations, but the nations themselves don't really matter. I, I don't see that. I don't think that's biblical. I, I, I look at near, near the end of the book of Revelation, I don't have the verse handy, about the kings of the nations bringing their gifts to the new Jerusalem. And it's suggesting mm -hmm. this continuation of a distinctiveness of, of nations. We see it is not about the nations, but in the, in the um, olive tree metaphor that Paul uses in Romans 11, there's clearly a, a Jewish distinctive and a non-Jewish distinctive sharing from the nourishment of the root of the same olive tree. So 
faith in the Messiah does not obliterate these things. And, and it, there's something about our histories, there's something about our languages, there's something about our cultures. Of course, it's all been affected by sin, but at the same time, these differences that have come about through the oversight, the providence of God, seems to, to be important. And mm-hmm. I, I was going to say, don't you agree? Well, I know you do. <laughs> <laughs> well, and even in Acts, right, it speaks about uh, we're all born in a certain place in a certain time for a certain purpose. Right. So, mm-hmm. So you you've mentioned you've mentioned a couple things about the warrior thing. Um, when you came to grips with that, there was a legitimacy to who you are as an indigenous woman. What did did that make a difference in how you related to the faith? Oh, hmm. Well, I just trying to explore what it is that my specific purposes you know because paul talks about us being all one body and we all have a different function and so and that's individual also but um yeah also as as a people and you know like my heart has always been for my people too to know jesus as lord and savior because i understand how we have this offense against jesus and, uh, and I had the same offense, but I know that he delivered me from many things, you know, but, and he is my savior. And so my desire is that my people would also know him and be able to receive him as their savior too. And, um, and, and so each people have something, uh, distinct, you know, um, offense or what you know there, there's something to each people group that has happened historically or whatever and it also dictates what is going to be our our purpose yeah it's uh yeah, you, yeah and you mentioned earlier about being gate gatekeepers and stewards of the land and some of the, uh, some of these things and eat that that bit we hit upon about responsibility which is something that came up with an, an earlier interview i had with uh, rick fav this uh, christian environmentalist group environmental group that and and that really came to the fore that we have a responsibility to uh take care of of the earth that's part of the creation mandate yes. and you know i see one of the things that the different people groups bring and and we've had experiences in different uh believing communities with various nations uh and national groups and you could see these these different flavors these different emphases that the, the various people groups bring and there's so much that we could learn from each other right. um mm-hmm. and as you know as a as a jewish person and understanding my own people somewhat to meet someone like yourself who you don't come from a white european christian background even though your family was influenced by white european christianity through the catholic church you had to you came to the lord um on your, in a sense, on your own as an indigenous person, you carried some same but different kinds of baggage that many of, you know, both our people do when we confronted by this perception of this white man's God. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I, you know, as a, as a Jewish person, like, um, I'm often, we're often related to as a, 
until anti-Semitism rises, we're not related to as a visible minority. And a mm -hmm. lot of people don't realize the stuff when we try to integrate within, within Christian churches in Canada and the United States, the things that we hit and the things that are said and all that kind of stuff, which right. you would understand. Mm -hmm. um, and, but then it, it but it, then it, it's kind of, it's for a Jewish person, it's kind of weird. Like why, why don't you return to your own, your own spirituality? Why would you buy into this Jesus? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Are you asking me that for as an indigenous person? <laughs> sure. <laughs> well, because Jesus is the truth, the way and the life, you know, um, it's very interesting. Something, um, I'll share a little bit of my mother's testimony um, in that she actually went quite uh, deep into the traditional ways afterwards and did ceremony and everything. And it's interesting that she, um, when she started reading the Hebrew scriptures, what we sometimes call the Old Testament, um, she saw so much similarity in um in the ceremony that we did in our traditional ways to what was done in temple worship and all that, you know, and just that. So both cultures, when we stay in that place are operating uh, more in the religious side, you know, and Jesus came to bring freedom from that and not saying that we negate the Torah by any means, <laughs> you know, and that's, that's a, a real Thing that has to be learned in uh, in the church, you know, that the Torah is valid today. You know, sometimes we seem to think that um, what we don't even need to know the Torah, the law. And I don't like that word, law. It's the Torah, the instructions, because it gives such a bad uh, name. There's two words in in the scriptures, and one is law, and one is Torah. But in in the white gospel or you know in a lot of translations the same word is used and that's so it gives a very big misunderstanding and so that's part of the hebraic roots that we understand yeah and understand all of scripture it's important to understand all of scripture so we get the big picture <laughs> yeah i better put a link to my is the torah for today um class that i did in case people are interested now i just have to mm -hmm. remember to do it um, so how then, what, how did you connect to what you're calling the Hebrew roots? How did I connect? Like, when did I get this? You know what? Israel, uh, I, I believe, can only, it, it's by revelation, as most things are with the Lord, when we go someplace deep, you know, and I think uh, just as the scriptures say that the veil is over the Jewish people for a time, I believe he's also put the veil over believers for a time. Not everybody, of course. There are many denominations out there that do uh, teach on Israel, but my experience has been many have not. And But I think in God's timing, the veil will be released from both when it's time for Yeshua to return to the earth. So. Um, so I think for Hebraic roots, um, but now is the time, you know, as all your listeners know, Israel is now a nation. All these prophetic scriptures are coming to pass in our day, you know, that many generations before could not see yet still believed 
And so, you know, God uses people to, uh, <laughs> to advance his timeline. And so now we're living in these exciting days. It is time for the veil to be removed from believers to understand his big picture and the brick roots of our faith. It's very important. Now, did I read somewhere that something special happened on a trip to Israel that made a difference? Yes. Okay, so this is what you're talking about, the revelation. <laughs> yes, and, and that's what I mean by revelation. And I think that when the time is right, but when we're seeking, you know, God says, when we seek him with all our heart, we will find him. And we will also understand the mysteries. So are we looking for the mysteries? That was one thing when I was reading the scriptures, I, I'd see the word mystery. And then I'd see the word mystery again. I'm like, oh, what's the mystery? I want to know what the mysteries of God are. But he's not going to just, you know, share them or, you know, just display it. You have to be seeking for it in order to understand it, in order to get the revelation. So I had been asking about, like, what, is, what are these mysteries? And, of course, you know, one of the mysteries, of course, that Jesus is in us, you know, the hope of glory. But then the other is the mystery of Israel. Israel is, is a real mystery. And, and I, you can see this. Because when, when we try to explain, wow, you have to understand Israel, you have to understand the big picture, sometimes you just get a glossy eyes, you know, it's like it's, it's not connecting, that connection is not there. And so I had been asking and seeking this, and I had actually been to even, um, I was at a conference, actually, interestingly enough, in a longhouse in Sawasan, First Nation, in Vancouver, there was a Messianic Jewish uh, teacher that came and was teaching about Israel. And so I was receiving this, but the connection still was not happening. It was like there's like misfirings happening in my spirit. It's like, I'm still not getting it. I don't, I don't know what it is. How come I'm not connecting? And so it wasn't until... Um, but God does all this work in us, right? There's a time and a season for everything. And, and so I, I certainly, I, I knew I still didn't have it. And so in 2014, we went to Israel and um, my mother actually became a believer. And she said, right, I have to go back to Israel. I have to go to the land because there is this connection with the land. As indigenous people, we have this connection with the land. And so that's where Jesus was born. We have to go to the land. <laughs> and so we went there together. And we had just a short tour. And we were also there for a conference, which was amazing. Um, but we had this opportunity to go to uh, Joseph's tomb. So for those who don't know, Joseph's tomb is in Shechem, and that, which is in the Shamron in the West Bank. So it's not open to visitors, but it is open. Apparently, I'm not exactly sure, but it sounded like it was just one time a month in the middle of the night. And you could only go by armored bus. So it's like, wow, this is a great opportunity. I don't even understand where I'm going, but this sounds exciting. <laughs> so we went there and um, with, with uh, just a few of us went and we went along with another ministry and they brought uh, they were worshipers. They could speak Hebrew. And so when we go in, they separate the men from the women. So I'm on with the women's side and I'm looking over. And, you know, before we were there, the, it's filled with Jewish uh, people, Orthodox people, many of them. And, and they're praying and very like somber, holy time. And then these uh, believers, Christians, they came in and they started 
playing worship songs while the presence of the Lord was so heavy. It was just so beautiful. And before long, they were singing worship songs and they were dancing arm in arm, Jew and Gentile together, just dancing and celebrating. And oh, it was a party, (laughs) you know, and I just thought, oh my goodness, what am I seeing here? And, And what I saw was the one new man the Jew and the Gentile together, one new man. And that's when it clicked for me. I'm like, this is the full body. This is the pinnacle of unity in Messiah, the Jew and the Gentile together. You know, we talk about unity in the church. And this was one thing my husband and I, when we first came, not first came, but there was such a, because I always felt, like I said, kind of an outsider not really a part. And so even today, I'm always looking for those ones who feel like they don't fit in, you know, and and to bring them in, you know, the body of of Christ is, is to be unified, it's to be love, (laughs) to be one. And so that's always been uh, on our hearts is to bring this unity. And then there's the next level, I, I tell people of unity, and that's the Jew and the Gentile together in Messiah. That one new man, and not meaning, like you said, uh, you know, we, we are still distinct. Israel, the Jewish people, have a special calling and a very high calling. They are meant to be the light to the nations. <laughs> and, and, and we have a different calling to provoke the Jewish people to jealousy. And how do we do that? By our love, by our blessing. There's no other way that we can provoke the Jewish people. <laughs> they have everything. They are blessed. They are blessed of, of the Lord. <laughs> yeah, but we're a lot more needy than what a lot of people think. But uh, so being at Joseph's tomb was the, that's when the lights went on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you go home. <laughs> yeah, I, I go, you home, go home. What's different? Oh, it was like, oh my goodness. This is the missing puzzle piece. This is what I've been missing my whole walk. So that was 2014, and we came to the Lord in 2003. So that's 11 years later, if my math is right. That's a long time. But in that time, I I was growing in uh, knowing who I was as a child of God. And, And we all have to begin there. We have to know that we're loved. So, so how did you how did you connect with CMJ? <laughs> Funny enough, so the the gentleman who we went on uh, the tour with, he's with um, Return Ministries, and um, he was doing this um, the the following year in 2015. He had uh, teamed up with CMJ Canada and Tukun Ministries and then Return Ministries, and they had this vision that was started by somebody in Canada. Uh, to go across Canada from coast to coast. And it was called the Loving God Blessing Israel Tour. And so uh, I can't remember how many meetings they had, over 40 meetings across Canada. And so um, because he knew that I was like, I'm so excited now, I got to learn about Israel. He said, well, why don't you um, start up that meeting in Edmonton? So I'm like, well, I don't know anybody and I don't know anything. I can't do that. <laughs> and so, but they're like, well, we, anyways, they said, well, can you just start? And I said, okay, well, I'll, I'll start trying to make some connections until that person shows up, whoever that person is supposed to be, then, then they'll take over, but I'll do what I can until then. Well, 
of course, nobody showed up. <laughs> and uh, but I did have a, a team around me, you know, God brought these people together and, and we put this thing on. And so God is amazing. You know, it's all in his hands anyways. And so that's how it started. And that's how I met CMJ Canada was when they came across and I met Aaron Imey at that time. And yeah, and then they came back. And so I just uh, for CMJ, uh, like I said, one of the major uh, parts of CMJ Canada is to educate the church. And I just so felt, and my husband too, that that's so lacking in, in the body of Christ in Canada, because I wish I had had this teaching. And so that's why we got involved and we started a prayer group here in Canada and then just started helping more and more. And then eventually they, um, uh, the director was wanting to pass it along. And I certainly was not interested in being the national director. <laughs> I thought I can't be a national director. Um, but, you know, in our weakness, God is strong. And so I, I said, yes, God, whatever you want. But I said, but, you know, God, you know, I have my heart is for my people, uh, that they would know Jesus. Now you're giving me this heart for Israel. I don't know how they connect. Um, but I'm just going with what, how you're leading, and then we'll see how it connects. If it connects, I didn't even know it did. So how? So first of all, I, I want to ask how people can get involved, but what? Or make it answer both things at the same time. What are the things that people can get involved with with CMJ Canada? Anything going on at this time? How can they connect? That sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Well, so I saw this uh, vision even before I came on as national director that we would have prayer groups across our nation, little uh, fires, <laughs> little fires across all because Canada is so huge. And I know there are people praying all over the place. Um, but what we found is that we really wanted to be involved with Israel, but we didn't have a place to kind of fit in. And so for us to establish a prayer group was really uh, good for us. It made us learn and grow and, and you get together with other people who may not otherwise have a place to get together and pray for Israel. You know, we all have different callings and, and many people are called to pray for Israel. And so that's one way to get in. If, if you, if any of our listeners feel like they would like to start up a prayer group or be involved in a prayer group, then to please contact us and we will give training, you know, because that was one thing is that we didn't hardly had any training. And so we were learning and growing as we went, but we want to be able to equip uh, believers in how to pray for Israel, what scriptures, because we want to pray by scripture, you know, and not necessarily be pulled off into the political realm. We want to stay on the kingdom agenda. You know, what does God say in his scriptures? So that's number one. And number two, actually, just at the beginning of this year, on January 1st, 2022, we established Canada House. So that was a uh, ministry that uh, CMJ Canada was uh, waiting to establish for some time until the right time came about. And uh, it's, a, it's a house of uh, worship and a house of discipleship in Jerusalem. Um, and is there to educate about the Hebraic roots of the faith. And so um, that's in Jerusalem. And so we always need people to partner with us. And what's very interesting about this is um, 
on that tour, the Loving God, Blessing Israel tour, what wasn't even known to CMJ at the time, the Lord said to CMJ Canada to establish a Canada house very, very distinctly. And then what was found out after was that there actually was a Canada house in the past, which they didn't even realize. So in Auschwitz, in the concentration camp, it's such a terrible story, uh, but when the wealth of the Jewish people was taken from them, these all the wealth was stored in warehouses. And, and the Jewish people actually called those warehouses Canada. Canada with a K actually um, representing, like using the name of our nation, Canada, because it was a place of prosperity and wealth. And it was a good, good place to work in the concentration camp. And so, and Canada was spelt with a K. And so um, this is one way where, where the wealth was stolen from the Jewish people. We want to give back to the Jewish people. We want to redeem the name of Canada. And so for that reason, Canada House is actually spelt with a K to identify this redemption of the name of Canada. We want to give back to, to the Jewish people what was once a, the, tarnished, the tarnished name of Canada. And in addition to that, Canada House, another reason why it's spelled with a K is to identify with the Indigenous peoples of Canada. Because Canada was actually Kanata, actually where you're from. <laughs> and that's spelled with a K, even though it's Kanata, but it's can Canada. So it's very so funny living in Kanata, Canada. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so... Um, for that reason, also, like I said, I believe the Indigenous peoples have a major role in blessing the Jewish people. We have similar experiences, not always positive experiences. You know, we've both been uh, hurt by the religious establishment. We've both had issues related to our lands. Um, we've, we've both uh, lost our, or in danger of losing our uh, language, not Hebrew, that's been resurrected, praise the Lord. <laughs> but, you know, for example, I don't know my language, you know, um, and, uh, you know, just assimilating into mainstream society, we've been told we have to forsake our culture. So we have a lot of these similar experiences. And so we understand the Jewish people uh, uh, maybe more than maybe other people. And, and we honor the Jewish people. We honor you as the firstborn. You are God's firstborn. And, and you brought Messiah forth. How can we not honor you and always lift you up and bless you as, as a people group, believers or not believers? You know, you are God's chosen ones. And so I, I believe that as Indigenous people, once we uh, are taught this, and even in uh, deep down, we know, you know, that, that you are special, that, that there is this connection. And so for that reason, Canada House is also, uh, we want to have an Indigenous um, side to it you know, in, in Canada House, knowing that it's, it's the ethnos of 
Canadians, <laughs> the First Peoples, blessing Israel. In addition to, of course, all Canadians. Canada House is for all Canadians. But unfortunately, as you know, the scripture says, sometimes the last shall be first. And very often we're the last. But this time we want to, the Lord wants to ensure that the Indigenous people are there truly in you know blessing and being a voice of blessing well that that is beautiful so if people want to know more about cmj canada the prayer groups canada house what should they do you can uh, contact me which should be wonderful so you can uh, email me at director at cmjcanada.ca Excellent. Yeah, and you, you can also go to our website. Information is on there for our website, which is just cmjcanada.ca. And I believe there's a video about Canada House that people could see on the site and hear that story uh, yes. that you shared. Yes, the one about uh, Auschwitz and right. the whole meaning behind that. Yes. And of course, if anybody would like to have us in their churches, we are always willing to share and to come and uh, share about the Hebraic roots of our faith, to share about Israel, to share about Canada House. So that would be wonderful. Excellent. Well, Melody, this has been a real pleasure. Thank you so much for doing this today. Oh, you're welcome. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, again, if you want to know more about CMJ Canada, you can go to their website, cmjcanada.ca. And if you want to contact Melody directly about anything that she said, or you're curious more about her story, that's director at cmjcanada.ca. And as usual, if you want to ask me anything, or have any comments about uh, this podcast, you can put your comments uh, below, or you can email me at comments at thinkingbiblically.org. Until next time, this is Alan Gilman for Thinking Biblically.